The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of Future Stars of Wrestling, FSW, here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how you doing this morning? Ah, pretty relaxed, actually, you know, no show this past weekend, we got none this weekend, you know, we're just gearing up for the 23rd, and it's, you know, it's kind of weird, it's like, you know, I don't have to be agitated every day, now it's like every other day, you know what I mean? (laughs) Um, When you're looking at uh, what you're lining up for the 23rd, um, what is going on as of right now in terms of what people can expect if they subscribe to the network for seven ninety nine a month? Um, the or is it six ninety nine a month? Is it seven? Six ninety nine. Man, it's been that kind of morning for me. My brain is dead. Um, but six ninety nine, you get the network. You'll get uh, the the uh, show on the twenty third of July, and uh, I think. The first announcement I saw was it Shade and Estrella, uh, kind of. Uh... Yes, uh, you know, after when went down at the Rumble yeah. uh, between the two, we just felt that there seems to be some uh, inner issues between the two. That I thought, hey, you know what? Maybe if we settle it in the ring, that might be more enjoyable than them uh, trying to settle it on Facebook. You know, there's never a winner when you have a Facebook feud. (laughs) I think that that is just going to be one of my favorite things all year is to see those two go at each other. Um, It's it's you know, it's kind of cool when you know that there is a competitive nature between two people and here's a chance to show what you can do with each other. And I think it's just going to be off the hook. Is there any other um, people or matches that you have lined up as of right now? Yeah, what we did is because of the show on the third and because of having so many people that we have, we're actually going to be running three weeks, three weeks in a row. So the 23rd is the high octane. Obviously it's a little bigger show. We're going to have, you know, Toa is going to be there and Graves is going to be there and Remy and Ice and Vandegrift and Jay Vidal and Sharp. You know, they're all going to be on hand. Uh, 31st is going to be more of a, uh, not more of it. It will be a future shock show. So you will get to see a lot of the younger talent. Uh, but going back to the 23rd, uh, as Death Proof won the uh, tag titles night one, they defended them night two. Uh, I felt that we've kind of seen them on their rise defeat a lot of the younger tag teams. 
So I chose to go outside the FSW world and uh, a couple of guys have been hitting me up for literally years, you know, and they are the current Defy Tag Team Champions, Midnight Heat. So I felt also that those guys had a history together in Oregon. So it'll be, and they probably, you know, may have wrestled each other in singles or whatever back in the Paragon days at Samstown, you yeah. know. But for the first time, uh, tag match, Midnight Heat, Defy Champs, FSW Champs, Death Proof. So that should be uh, something that should be very exciting uh, to see for the fans. You know, they are a yeah. top-notch tag team from the West Coast. Um, so when you when you have that situation of uh, company titles versus company titles, and obviously titles won't be on the line. Um, does... The FSW tag titles will be on the line. Oh, really? You're, you're putting... Oh, they are defending them. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay, so... You know, we've talked with Defy about doing stuff, but yeah. they haven't really got up and running. And, you know, they seem to be eager. And we've kind of talked on and off for a couple of years. And I'm pretty sure down the line... Uh, De you know, Defy and FSW will do something together. But this is just us bringing in guys that happen to be the Defy Tag, tag Champs. Teams. We're looking for a good tag team uh, to wrestle Death Proof. So they were all for it. The other guys were all for it. So it's like, you know what? Let's make it happen. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I, I, I It's exciting that you get a chance to bring in outside uh you know, talent and, and give the guys a little something that's different, a little variety when you are looking at, because you get contacted by a lot of different people, you know, every week, how do you decipher? Is it, you know, in, in a situation like this, having death proof had experience working with these guys in some manner, does that, you know, kind of give you a little more of a um, an endorsement, essentially. You're not going at it blind. You know that, you know, th they want this match. Um, or do you, you know, in certain cases, um, you know, bring in guys that you might not be too sure of. You might see a little real on them, but um, you're just kind of giving them a shot to show what they can do. How, how's your thought process on bringing in, you know, guys at that level to um, give new competition for some of the tag teams as well as some of the uh, talent here? Well, mainly it's going to be, you know, a as needed possibility. You know, those guys have literally hit me up on and off for a couple of years. Just didn't really have anything. But in those conversations, I've also heard very good things about him from the crew that worked up in Oregon. Yeah. So it's like we're always in the back of my mind. And in all honesty, Death Proof had no idea that I was even contacting them. I just said, hey, bro, we're doing a show. And they were like, yeah, we're good for the 23rd, the 31st. And I'm like, you know what? Let's pull the trigger. You know, you know, let's get it done 
you know, there's a lot of guys, the Danny Limelights, the Gino Rivera's that they're always kind of like knocking on that door, knocking on that door. You know, yeah. I, I, you know, a message from Limelight yesterday now that, uh, he left AEW and he's uh, part of LAX now in MLW. And he's like, hey, bro, we still, uh, you know, me and Slice Boogie LAX, you know, we want the faction. So it's like, you know, that's an outside match that has appeal to me. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately, there's sometimes there's guys that, that might be extremely talented, but it just doesn't fit to what we're doing. So I'm not just going to pay money to bring in a guy who's now working for a pay cut and he's working for less than he wants to. And then he kind of wants to do a little bit more of what he wants to do because he's working for that pay cut. And it's like, it's got to make sense for what I need for my show. Yeah. You know, I, I get a million guys. Oh, you know, I really want to work breakfast W and it's like, yeah, but your rate is like three times what I want to pay. So you don't really want to work for FSW, you know, or guys will go to other guys on shows and they'll come back to me and it'll be named guys. And it's like, oh, man, you know, this guy, XWWE guy really wants to work for FSW. And it's like, no, he doesn't because he perceives us as a big company. So he thinks we're going to be able to fill up his schedule. Right. And. You know, give him a thousand dollars or fifteen hundred bucks when I don't feel he's worth that, plus a flight and and all the other stuff. You know, there's so many talented people that are out there, but the flight of four to five hundred dollars, and right now flights are not cheap at all. Yeah, we've had some sponsors, and that's how we got Percy Drews and Travis Titan. And some of these guys, you know, as, as I mentioned to you yesterday, you know, Devon Dudley's kids, you know, they're working AEW Dark. You know, they definitely have talent. They're willing to get themselves out here, you know, you know, to work. But I got to take that into consideration to, okay, it needs to make sense in the match I need. And I'm also trying to make sure because when you add Midnight Heat, and you add, uh, you know, Devon's kids, the Hughes brothers, whatever they go by, you know, it's also making less of an opportunity for Creature Feature or Suavecitos or Sky High or Chase Bell and Nick Xander. And every team you add, you need to, you need to subtract. All right. You know? So... Last show, Sky High didn't work. You know, they worked the anniversary show night one and uh, the pre-show match. Now, they'll be working the 23rd, and they'll be working Lights, Camera, Faction in a, in a tag match. They had a six-man tag uh, last month, and now they're going to have a tag match. Well, Nick Xander and Chase Bell, they won't be on the show on the 23rd, but they'll be at Future Shock. And they'll be wrestling Creature Feature, who won't be on the 23rd. But on the 3rd, they both work singles matches, you know. And yeah. it's like, you know, I'm still trying to figure out where the Suavecitos fit in, you know, if Adrian Quest is going to be there. And, you know, for young kids like that, yeah, it's great that they came out with Adrian Quest, but they want to wrestle. Right. You know, 
but it's it's making a spot. It's having the right spot. You know, Graves will be there. Class will be there. Jay Vidal will be there. And we're finalizing it, but we, we think the main event on the 23rd, you know, that's going to be a, a can't-miss match. Ice Williams defending against, you know, Matt Vandergriff. And, you know, match that, you know, we've, we've watched Matt Vandergriff grow. And not only he succeeded in the tag, he didn't stop doing singles matches while they were tagging. He also did some singles stuff and had some great matches. Yeah. So, you know, it's exciting to see, you know, that match come to fruition. Yeah, and it's exciting to know that uh, <laughs> with Ice being so vocal and Matt being so quiet and deadly, <laughs> maybe Matt will at least put Ice into his place for, you know, at least a couple days. <laughs> maybe uh, shut him up for a little bit. You know, the one thing, unfortunately, for Matt is you know, Ice has a lot of backup, and that backup always seems to uh, get involved and influence what happens in the match. While Matt has an injured partner yeah. who, you know, we don't know how long he could be out, you know. He thinks he's going to come back way sooner than what the experts <laughs> kind of put the time frame at, you know. Yeah. Well... When you uh, when you look at uh, that opportunity that Matt has had now, same with Jay Vidal, what is the main thing that you're personally seeing in both of them that is allowing them not only to rise to the top at FSW, but you look at the way that they're going out and they're working, you know, a lot of. Uh, west coast spots they're really you know making a name for themselves in all these matches that they're having across the west coast is there something that you're seeing in them that they didn't necessarily fully have as part of the tag team or just in their development that now they're at a point where they're showing signs of you know, that particular thing is helping them get uh, more opportunities as singles wrestlers. No, what I think the issue was, we'll go to Jay Vidal. Jay Vidal, he, you know, he, he had a good pedigree. You know, he came to us, uh, you know, from the Gangrel Asylum a couple years ago. And we kind of put him in some situations and I think it was against Douglas James at beers and body slams. I think that was the match. And it was like, wow, this motherfucker's good, you know, but he was doing this, this horrible EDM gimmick, Jaden something. And he, you know, he, he, he needed to find himself, you know, and as he was, on the verge of getting to that next level, we kind of put them with Parada, and then they kind of really gelled. And now, as they were gelling, because when teams team up for the first time, that's probably, without a doubt, going to be their worst matches. Right. You know, they're trying to grow, and they got to learn what they need to do, and are they going to 
are they going to take it serious and give a shit that they're in a tag because they want to be in singles? And even with Vandegrift and Damian Drake, they're two guys that had success as singles, Damian Drake more so than Vandegrift because he's newer into the game, but you knew the talent was there. Now, when they first came out, it was a struggle because they were trying to find their personality. They were trying to find their character, you know, being the wrestlers that they were. Yeah, they were good wrestlers who could do great shit, but now they got to tie it into doing stuff together. Yeah. So if they would have did that as singles guys, it would be exactly the same, but they just happen to be in the tags. So now that you see them, it's like, oh, you know, how did that work? Well, it was Jay Vidal was in the process of getting to that next level anyway. You know, Matt Vandegrift was in the process of getting to that next level. And you kind of got to see it with Vandegrift more because initially he wrestled more singles matches and he wrestled Jay and he wrestled Eli Everfly and, you know, he, he wrestled Graves and he had some of these singles matches as well while he was doing the tag run. While Jay Vidal didn't really because Parada was kind of around. And then as we saw that that may not work out, he's looking to get time off. You know, Jay was ready to roll. They, 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 they were a tag team that had one match and they were looked at as, you know, they, they, they jumped everybody. Right. to put themselves into that top tier, you know, and I still felt that they had a ways to go, but, you know, they showed when they wrestled the RMB that they can go. And, and that's all that was needed to be seen. And we knew Jay could go. So now, now the problem becomes getting matches for Jay Vidal and Matt Vandegrift because, you know, you got Eli Everfly, you got Ice Williams, you got Gregory Sharp. Now you got this large influx because before it was we had those seven or eight tag teams. Well, now there's five of those tag teams. Juicy hasn't been around too much, so Toa has been doing the singles thing also. So now all of a sudden we're top heavy there, and now we're looking for some tag teams to fill some spots. Yeah. Well, past it was like we got way too many tag teams and how many times can you see sky high versus creature feature you know versus suavecitos you know there's one tag team championship right so i'm okay with it changing because we have the nevada state championship the no limits championship and the heavyweight championship so we got three titles that we have to build you know opponents for the champions right you know hammerstone's been you know feuding with the uh, the mk group you know him and juicy is a match that probably one-on-one needs to happen uh tito escondido i talked with him the other day he should be back uh summer slam weekend for natural born killers said the recovery is going good. good you know a collapsed lung isn't something you want to you want to <laughs> play so the MK Army, he may have brought in some outside people, but now Toa has quickly gotten the opportunity to this show that he's as good as anybody out there. You know, he may have not defeated Graves in the anniversary match, but 
I'm pretty sure Graves will tell you that's one of the most physical matches that he's had in a long time. And he'll also tell you that he loved it. You know, he, he wants guys like that. You know, he wants to be tossed around. He wants to show that he's stronger than the other guy. He's tougher yeah. than the other guy. You know, in a lot of cases, you know, Graves has got 50 pounds on you and he's going to throw you around like a rag doll. Yeah. So it's pretty impressive watching him throw around Toa like he did. You know, I personally want to see if he can throw around Juicy like that. <laughs> Wow. I, that would be I. You know what? If there's someone in this business who can do it, I think Graves could do it because, damn, man. He's a beast, and yeah, that would be fun to see. Uh, let me ask you, you know, I haven't heard um, what's going on with Hero Lou. Is he, uh, is he around right now, or is he... Uh, yeah, know? yeah, we, we're still figuring out, because again, that's another heavyweight that is on the rise. Uh, I actually had him scheduled for the last show, and then he messaged me that he was unavailable. So that's the only reason he wasn't on the July 3rd show. But it's like there's so much talent that you want to get your A-list players on as much as possible, yeah. obviously. If Hammerstone says he can make a show, I'm not saying, well, maybe you should make the one after. He's our heavyweight champion. You know, he's going to make the show. You know, so now you got a Hammerstone, a Graves, a Toa, a Hero, a Remy, a Class, you know, at the time, you know, Death Proof, an Unguided, an R&B, and Jay Vidal, and Matt Vandegrift, and Chris Bay lately. It's like, okay, how many matches can you have? Yeah. So if Chris Bay's available that day, we're going to use Chris Bay. You know, it's like, hey, I'm sorry, Brandon G. I'm sorry, Judah Matthew. You know, a guy like Judah, he's a big boy. I like Judah Matthew a lot. But sometimes it's mixing and matching, yeah. and he's a heel. So why do I want to put Toa against Judah? You know what right. I mean? It, 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 do, it doesn't help the dynamic, you know? You know, you got Nino Black, so it's like I'm trying to find the spots for everybody. And it's like, you know, he's injured. And it's not like I'm happy he's injured, but it's like, oof, you know, that means I can, you know, worry about him in two weeks. Right. Because he's recovering from an injury. And, and that's why I tell guys, you know, get that booking in Arizona and California. You got to spread your wings anyway. I said, because if we do three shows – the top guys are only going to be on two in most cases. And the lower level guys that are trying to fight their way to get to that level, they're going to be on one for sure. And, you know, half of them will be on two and the other half will be on the one. Yeah. And, you know, and, and in that builds frustration and their push and, and all the other stuff. And it's like, just worry about the fucking match that you're in, you know, you know, everybody's got ideas. At least seven years ago, it was only the main guys who had ideas. Now, the guy who's like, lucky he's on the show, pitching ideas. Yeah. You know, I, I'm happy that you're that 
you know, interested in trying to make yourself the champion, you know, that, that's awesome. But, you know, it's going to be a long way, you know, before, you know, Bodie's going to be the heavyweight champion. You, you know what I mean? It's going to take at least a year and a half. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it tops a year and a half. Um, no, he's got to be at least a hundred pounds. I told him, you know. What I mean? So, <laughs> um, and and in the meantime, there are replica belts available. People can, you know, purchase their own belt to make them feel like they're champion. Um, yeah, you can hit up Rocky T. He's got them on speed dial. <laughs> um, do you, uh, when you're looking at the title defenses? Uh, do you have to balance out in your mind the idea of maybe, you know, the no limits gets defended because Hammerstone isn't available. So that kind of becomes then the featured belt for uh, that show. Or is it more so the matchup? So let's say Death Proof, um, because they are taking on, uh, you know, a, another tag team champion. Would that, if Hammerstone can't make it to a show, if your if your main title can't come, would that, because of the matchup, potentially be the main event of a show? How do you balance that? Where you you know can work these championships into the main event if uh, either Hammerstone can't make it, or maybe Hammerstone is you know mid card because he's facing someone like the threat and then there's you know something else on the card that could be the main event how, how do you decide that kind of aspect well I, I look at a couple of different things I also look at the the appeal that it will have to the fans sure you know, the anniversary show for example it was set in stone we knew it was going to be Chris Bay versus Leo Rush night one and the rumble would be the semi-main and the winner would wrestle in the main event against Hammerstone night two. Easy, easy decision. No problem. Now Leo Rush can't make the show. So now we're scrambling for a guy. And now we bring in this extremely talented guy, Casey Navarro. And I question now, the Rumble is a pretty popular match, okay? Maybe we switch the roles and make Chris Bay and Casey Navarro the semi-main. But we also knew that it was going to be the final appearance of Sefapatu. Right. Because of the ending of the Rumble and the ending of the Chris Bay-Casey Navarro match, I decided to stick to the guns and let the fans leave on a happy note. You know, it's a big moment. Sefa grabs the mic. He thanks everybody for, you know, for the few years he was here and, you know, the gratitude. And in all honesty, the the double finish in the Rumble, I think people would have shit all over that as the ending of a show. Yeah. So you you have to take all of that into consideration. Now, on July 3rd, uh, Ice Williams was not there. 
Remy Marcel was not there. Maserati was not there. Death Proof could have been there, but they just won the title. They defended them this, the night two. I was giving them the night off, basically. Yeah. So Hammerstone is my only champion, and he's the heavyweight champion. So now we had a few other matches that we were looking at. I, I thought the four-way was going to be excellent with Vandegrift and Jay Vidal and Adrian Quest, but I just didn't feel that that matchup was worthy of being in the main event spot. Yeah, you could look at Brett as he's a rookie and, you know, he's more of a character at this point, but he draws so much heat and the fans eagerly wanted to see Hammerstone beat his ass. So it made that decision easy. Okay. So now we fast forward to the 23rd. Ice Williams defends. Death Proof defends. Remy Marcel defends. And possibly Hammerstone defense. But let's leave Hammerstone out of it. Okay? So now, who's Remy going to work? Still figuring that out. We got Death Proof against Midnight Heat. A team that has never really been seen in Vegas in years and never in FSW. Or maybe the most hated guy, one of the most hated guys in FSW, No Limits champion Ice Williams against one of the quickest rising stars we have, Matt Vandegrift. So that obviously makes me lean toward that as the main event. <clears throat> but now all of a sudden, if we book title versus title and it's Hammerstone versus Remy Marcel, well then, yeah, I guess that would be the main event. Yeah. Or Hammerstone's wrestling juicy in a one-on-one, -on -one, well, that would probably be the main event. And it's just trying to make the right matchups and the right decisions and trying to put that card, you know, it was kind of like the opening night of the show. You know, I felt opening up with the four-way was going to be the most exciting way to kick things off, the anniversary, fast-paced, Gatson, Funny Bone, Adrian Quest, uh, Midas Creed, Young Kid. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, some people feel that it's a slight to put them on as the old term, the curtain jerker. And right. I'm looking at it as I want the most excitement to me. I'm putting you in a key spot. Right. So as a performer, you're looking at it as like, Oh, you know, I'm on first, I get, get it over with type of thing. While I'm looking at it, it's like, Let's knock this one out of the park. Best way to do that is is the first matches, as the Suavecitos like to say, a banger. You know what I mean? And it's like, as I've said all the time in wrestling, it's perception. Everything's perception. And some people want to have that perception, and sometimes they want to have that chip on their shoulder of feeling slighted or feeling not looked at because – I don't know. I don't have that feeling. Right. But I understand that feeling when I'm dealing with people that underestimate what we're trying to do. So I understand there's a little extra motivation when it comes to that. And sometimes people need motivation to, you know, tear it up. You know, there's shows that people go out and 
they bust themselves open with light tubes in front of 10 people. Yeah. They're there to ply their craft. I've never wrestled before. So in some cases for a lot of people, an opportunity is an opportunity because just because I wrestled for your company in front of 10 people doesn't mean in a year your company is going to have 300 people there. And you're going to remember that I half-assed it at that one show, or you're going to remember, you know what, this motherfucker, you know, he didn't give a fuck how many people were at the show. Imagine what he's going to do now when we got a packed house. That's the guy I want on my show. Yeah. And, and that's the kind of guy that you're looking for. You're looking, you know, for that innerness in somebody who isn't like, Oh, this is an easy payday. I ain't going to do shit. There's no motherfuckers here. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and But I understand it. You know, it's human nature sure. to not give a, a full effort when you feel that nobody came out to see you. You know, that's a pretty difficult feeling to look out the curtain. You know, I remember there was times, you know, a couple of the Samstown, Silverton shows, you know, before we were doing consistently 500 people at Samstown, all of a sudden it'd be like, you know, there's 700 chairs there. So when you got 500 people sitting, you know, it's pretty packed. When you got 180, it's still 180, but it looks like there's nobody there. Right. And it's like, oh shit. It's, I remember one time we're looking at it, it's like 10 minutes before showtime. It's like, what the fuck? There's like nobody here. And then all of a sudden the show started and like 200 people walked in like in the 10 minutes because they, you know, were under the impression that FSW always started late. So, you know, where they got that idea from, I wouldn't know. But it was crazy how, you know, a lot of those people waited for that last second to show up. And it's just like, oof, what a relief. Because with 180 people, you knew you were losing money to begin with. Right. And you off the last show that you did there a month and a half ago and you had like 350 or 400. And it's like, well, why is there only 180? What did we do wrong? How did we not promote it? You know, and, and that's part of the, as I said, you know, for not doing a show for three weeks, I don't have that where I don't get stressed out in any way, but my mind's always focused on what we need to do next. Right. You know. Been, been handling the, the high-octane flyers. And it's like, wow, you know, we still got 10 days. We got matches already announced, you know. But I also know I got to keep up for the 31st, you know, August 7th. I know Hammerstone's going to be there, you know, and, it, and it's already trying to work three shows as we build three or four shows with only one week off, the 14th week. Uh, all our guys are going to be in uh, Arizona where our, our boy Dom the Bomb and Gallo and stuff, they're running their show. So, you know, I know Cody's going to be on it and Hammerstone and Graves and probably Jacob Boston Young and, and probably numerous other FSW guys. Right. You know what I mean? So, but then, you know, balls to the wall, natural born killers. Like, man, are we going to get people to come at 11 o'clock at night on a Friday night? Well, it's a Friday night. Why can't we get people to show up? You know, and then, oh, Saturday afternoon, we barely 
even touched the surface of putting tickets on sale for the FSW GCW show. And we're like three quarters sold out without even putting it out to the GCW fan base. Right. Front row, at least, you know, so we know we're going to have people. And obviously doing that show Saturday at one o'clock is not going to be an issue. And now we got the women's show, which was a brilliant move to change it from July 31st to the Sunday, August 22nd because there's going to be a lot of the women in town yeah. And, and there's a lot of AEW women that we're talking with and Christy Janes will be there. And, and she's, she's excellent. Somebody we're hoping to use a lot. Uh, this girl, Verta Vixen, I guess is her name, but she works AEW dark and she's pretty solid and she's going to be out here already. And we're trying to mix and match that. That way we're having a lot more fresh faces on the women's show, you know, as their popularity has really gone through the roof, you know, who knows, you know, I don't know what's going to happen on the 23rd with Strella and the shade, but you know, we we may have to have a, uh, a, a blow off match at the women's show, you know, the good old intergender matches that people seem to enjoy. It's Strella versus shade in a cage. That's what I want to see. <laughs> yeah, but we can't overshadow the the women's champions. Right, right. Um, when you're looking at the um, the upcoming schedule for the SummerSlam weekend, um, how much do you have your rate, or or how much are other shows from other companies on your radar? Are you looking at you know, these shows that are starting to pop up on, you know, Friday night or or Saturday late night or Saturday afternoon. Are you starting to see that? Is that something that you take into consideration that these are shows that are potentially going against shows that you guys are putting on? Or is it just, hey, we fill our arena, all the tickets we put on sale are sold, and we're good with that? Is that kind of how you look at it? Yeah, pretty much. You know, it's like sometimes you see shows and it's like, oh, shit, somebody's got a show. You know, I know there's a show Thursday and I know Del Rio's doing something Friday. And then I saw another company's doing something, I think, Saturday night. And they talked to us about using the arena. Uh, Actually, I think they're doing it Sunday. And, you know, obviously they didn't want to pay for our arena. No problem. You know, do your own thing. But when these companies come in, they need to realize they don't have a fan base out here. Yeah. You know, that's great that all these wrestling fans are going to be out here per se, but how do you as a company say from California, come to Vegas, you haven't really run many shows, so you don't really have a big fan base. How do you get, fans on a Friday or Saturday to even know your show exists. Right. Cause you know, in a way it's like, Hey, maybe we can promote the Sunday show by handing out flyers at SummerSlam Saturday. But most of our shows are before SummerSlam's going to air. Right. You know, that's one idea like, Hey, if we did a show SummerSlam night after SummerSlam, but it's like, So people are going to come to the FSW GCW show at one o'clock or 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 
12 o'clock, and it ends at, say, 2.30. So what are they going to do? They're going to go straight to Allegiant Stadium, you know, get there 3, 3.30, whatever. Pre-shows, everything starts at, like, 4 o'clock. SummerSlam will probably go longer than three hours, so from 5 o'clock. Now it's 8.30, 9 o'clock. Oh, shit, there's another wrestling show at 11 p.m. Who gives a fuck? They've already watched 12 hours of wrestling. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's my competition. My competition is that wrestling fan who just watched SummerSlam, and then they want to go see Bruno Mars at 11 o'clock. Yeah. It was like, you know, it was funny. You know, being a house seat person, uh, it used to be a great deal. Got to see a lot of good stuff, you know. Right. And I haven't – I think we went to one – really small comedy show four months ago. And it was like, but I check every once in a while to see what's going on. And it was probably like five o'clock on Saturday night. And I'm like, ah, let me just hit house seats, see what's up. And it was like, oh shit, Chelsea Handler at the Mirage is on house seats. Wow. So I know my wife's a big fan. I think she's all right. You know, she's funny. Yeah. And she's no Lisa Lampanelli, but, you know, she's all right. <laughs> so I go to my wife. I'm like, and, of course, they positioned the time. The show was at 1030, you know. And it was like, hey, you want to see Chelsea Handler? She's like, yeah. I'm like, it's on house seats. And, you know, she basically had to get ready within an hour. It was probably more like 7 o'clock. Cause I knew we needed to leave at like nine and it was like, you know, she hightailed it into the shower and we went on the strip and it was like UFC was sold out. You know, Garth Brooks was sold out. Bruno Mars was sold out. They had circus day. Soleil was back and you know, everything was, was, was jamming. Yeah. You know, didn't really want to pay the 24 bucks for the valet parking. <laughs> a half hour for my car to be picked to be brought when there's eight people there because they're bullshitting yeah you know it's like yeah i'll self-park from now on i, I could have got my car and been home by the time i got my car yeah so. yeah that's... but uh, you know it, th- there's so many things to do when you're coming in from out of state out of town out of you know obviously not out of country anymore because it's hard to you know come in from europe to go to SummerSlam unless you like hijack a boat or, or whatever <laughs> But there's so many people in town and there's so many things to do. And with SummerSlam being on Saturday instead of Sunday, you know, a lot of people might come in Friday night and stay Saturday and leave right after the show Sunday. Right. But now being that the show's on Saturday early evening, you know, are people coming in Friday evening after work? They're going to come in eight, nine o'clock. So, again, timing is, is difficult. Like, GCW is the only one we care about in that situation. We're working with them. We're doing a joint show together. If you tell me, hey, Joe, SummerSlam, Saturday night, 5 o'clock, what are you going to do? Oh, well, I'm running Friday night at 7 o'clock. That's a no-brainer. But they've already taken that date. So am I supposed to work with somebody but then run against them and split the crowd? Makes no sense. Right. You know what I mean? So it, it's disappointing that we can't run 
in our own town the primetime show SummerSlam weekend. You, you know what I mean? Sure. That we have to go in on a Saturday afternoon at 12 noon that fortunately, you know, those GCW fans, man, they, they built – they were the one company that has built the most rabid fan base during the pandemic because they went out there and they did shit. Yeah. You know? And to be able to work with them – as I've said before, only enhances what we're doing. So, you know, we look forward to seeing, you know, a Jay Vidal versus an Effie or a, you know, a Remy Marcel against a guy like Chris Dickinson or Jimmy Lloyd or, you know, Nick Gage against Cutthroat Cody or Funny Bone against G Raver or Slack. Or stuff that never been seen before, yeah. you know? So, unfortunately, we have to kind of give up that Friday night. But, as they say, it's for the greater cause. <laughs> and and let's, uh, let's not even suggest uh, Cody versus Nick Gage, because cutthroat might actually happen. So... Please protect Cody. Please do not let him do it. <laughs> Bro, he's the one begging for the match. I know. I know. You know, he wants to go back to his roots. Oh, you know, man. to watch the tape of uh, Jack Manley hitting him with a barbed wire bat. <laughs> oh, man. I just, every, every time I cringe when, you know, Cody ends up, at the anniversary show, he ends up bleeding. <laughs> it was like... Oh man, but if there's one of the toughest guys you have, that's that's Cody. Um do you take into consideration that uh the style as well? So, you know, knowing that um it might be a little more of a hardcore matchup for the GCW versus FSW show, do you take that into consideration and know okay, our next night's show is the women's show on Sunday. So maybe we don't necessarily have, um, if, if in that case there was a women's match to be had, maybe we don't have our championship, you know, go on that show or how, how do you balance that out that, you know, there's going to be a little possible different style and open it up more to, you know, guys, um, just being more wiped out after, you know, certain types of matches that can get um, pretty violent. Well, in most cases, you know, you're talking about one night into the other, but since it's the women's show on night two, and we're still talking about doing that collaboration show, but FSW versus GCW, we have 40 guys on our roster. I'm pretty sure 10 or 12 is going to be the limit of how many guys we have. Right. And girls. Like, the only person I could see working both shows is a Sandra Moon because she's definitely going to work the women's show, and her versus Alley Catch is something that we've already talked about. So, you know, other than that, we're not going to do another women's match. So, you know, Maz will be on night two. Uh, all the girls that are coming in, we're not going to put on a GCW show that don't work for FSW. 
So now it's like, so unless we did our intergender match or we did something with Ricky Tenacious, you know, there, there, there'd be an outside shot that he could do, you know, his intergender match at the women's show, or he could do an intergender match at the GCW show, or, you know, we are going to do like a, a survival of the fittest match, like four on four. So, you know, we still got to figure out who they are. You know, Chris Bay, he's been wanting to work the star boy, Charlie, mm. you know, that's another match. So these, you know, we have these matches in our head, but GCW has to finalize who they're coming, who they're bringing in for sure. Right. You know, like I'm told Ricky Morton's going to be in town. Well, it would be probably pretty cool to have Ricky Morton wrestle somebody from FSW. Yeah. You know, Too Cold Scorpio is going to be in town. <laughs> you know, I was trying to pitch D'Lo Brown to uh, wrestle Too Cold Scorpio at, at the end. <laughs> The Legends match, FSW, GCW, you know, D'Lo versus uh, Too Cold Scorpio. You know, I know Joey Janela has been wanting to wrestle Sabu for a long time. Right. So, you know, can it happen? I guess anything could happen. You know, so it's like, believe me, I'm I'm frustrated because... Again, GCW, man, they're, they're, they're out on the road. Like, man, I give Brett credit, bro. It's like when we're running two nights in a row at an anniversary show in our hometown and I only got to drive 10 minutes, I'm fucking beat. It's like imagine having to go to all these different places and you don't have a lot of time to make sure everything's working right, right. everything's going well. You know, you, you, you obviously have to rent rings because you're not, not driving your ring to Chicago back to Jersey, to Houston and Dallas like they were last week. Yeah. And then the week before that, they were in Wyoming. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like they're getting out there. And they're, you know, they're, they're doing well because they're putting in the hustle. Right. You know, I, I look at them and then there are certain things that are like, wow, man, I'd love to be where they're at. You know, sure. we got – 9,000 followers. We're, we're well-known amongst a lot of people. But those guys have like 20, 35,000 followers that are rabid for their product. Yeah. Like, got a lot of fans that love our shit, but those people, you know, it's like that PWG crowd, you know what I mean? Yeah. But PWG puts 400 people in the, uh, where they used to do it, the Elks Lodge or whatever, and that was it, you know, yeah. and you get to see basically ring of honor shows in PWG back in the day. And it kind of changed. And now they're finally coming back. Right. But we'd like to be able to be like, Oh shit. FSW is coming to Arizona. Awesome. FSW is coming to California. Awesome. You know, yeah. um, it, it, do you, do you think that, um, in the situation of GCW growing their brand, um, if let's say that you get a following, you, you're kind of following that model that Brett has for GCW. How do you determine if something like that is worthwhile for you to take that risk of what it costs to, you know, pack up everything and either, you know, 
travel with, you know, putting up your own ring or renting out a ring. Is there a certain point where you go, yeah, I think this is now possible? Yeah, because we did it to some success years ago when FSW Arizona was born. And I went out and we booked the very first show and we used all the big name talent. You know, FSW champion was Alcatraz. Well, he was there. Mike Modest, he was there. Sean Ricker, he was there. You know, and on their end, they had Johnny the Bull and Chuck Palumbo, and they had their top Arizona talent, you know, and Brandon Gatson was there, and, and Willie Mack was wrestling for them and not us at the time. So there was a good crew of talent that, that was there. Yeah. And it was based off their brand, their, you know, EXW or whatever I think it was called, that Derek Nykirk and, and, Ty, and, and uh, Tyson Tyler put together with Gallo and, and a, bu- a bunch of that crew, you know. And then from the ashes, FSW Arizona was born. But like I said, it, it, it didn't have longevity because – he wouldn't keep bringing in the bigger name guys. So, and they, and they had a, a, a flawed model, you know, it was like, Hey, we got a Christmas show, not $5 off with a toy. Hey, get in for free. Yeah. And it's like, we got to pay all these people. And now all of a sudden you're doing free shows for a year. Now it's like, Oh, 30 bucks. Like what? It's free. Right. When people, used to not paying for something they don't want to pay for it you know it's kind of like the samstown deal we got the samstown deal and we didn't pay okay we had a drink guarantee and most cases we'd hit it a couple times we're a few hundred off no big deal you know we'd we'd have to pay it a few hundred dollars sure then all of a sudden it's like hey i i talked to ring of honor I got Ring of Honor to talk with, with, with Samstown, and they signed the exclusive deal. So they're paying good money to be at Samstown. Then all of a sudden, PPW sees FSW shows at Samstown. They go there and pay money. Now all of a sudden it's like, why isn't FSW paying? Everybody else is. We're not really making enough money. And instead of being like, well, we may not make money per se on their four-walled show, but they brought us far more money than most companies would make us, you know, in six shows because of the deal that we got. So now it's like, hey, well, you need to pay this. And it's kind of like, okay, whatever, because, you know, that's the deal. And then they raised the price again a little bit. And it was like, despite the fact it was still a better deal, I felt that we earned the right to be taken care of way better than we were. Yeah. So that's why for a while we left and just went to Silverton. And it's like, they were still given, they gave us the room for free until the very end. They kept the food and beverage. You know, they had fresh blood in there. You know, 
if they wanted to have a concert and they would have Juice Newton there, they'd give away 400 seats and they'd have 450 people there because 50 people wanted to hear the morning train. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, so you're paying us nothing to get 500 people, 600 people into your casino. Well, to me, that's a great deal. It's like, sure, I guess if you could get money out of them too, that's even better, but you're paying for entertainment. These people are bringing in the most entertainment that you have, and it's not costing you a dime. Right. Wouldn't you want to continue to do that? So we ended up helping Samstown. Well, we didn't help Samstown. We helped Ring of Honor. They needed, uh, they needed the guardrails. They needed the ring crew. So it was probably a good year, year and a half, because we signed with like, hey, we'll sign an exclusive deal with Silverton. And they were good to us at the time. And then, you know, Sam's town, oh, you know, we really miss you. Oh, we'd love to have you back. And it's like, well, you know, you can't charge me what you're charging me. I can get the room over there for free. Is your room better? Sure it is. But it's not free better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was like, you know, after that, we started talking more. And I had to be okay with the fact that, they were charging us, and I know that elsewhere that it was a lot more difficult to get something at that price in a casino where we already had a built-in base. Right. We included it into the budget. We figured out ways that it didn't cost us more, but I was never happy that we had to go in there and give them money and have a drink guarantee, too. Yeah. Like, I had to lower that. Like, they tried to give us the room – for free, and we had like a $3,000 drink guarantee. Then they want to charge us like $1,500, and then they still want to give us a $3,000 drink guarantee. Yeah. You know, eventually we negotiated it down, but, you know, and this is after we brought Impact into the deal, (laughs) where they signed and paid thousands and thousands of dollars to be there. Right. It's like, like even now. You know, it looks like I hear Impact's going to be back. They have no interest in us back. They don't want us back. They told us the price, you know. Right. Our price was $1,500 before. Now it's we got to pay for five shows to only do one. Jeez. That's how crazy the pricing has gone. And they want to charge for labor. And if it ain't enough, they want to charge per ticket sold. So it's you. $10,000 and we can't even keep all our ticket sales. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, so it's basically a very nice way of saying, Hey, we appreciate what you did for us in the past, but we're only looking to bring in big companies. Who's going to give us a lot of money. And if we're not, we're not even worrying about opening the doors. Yeah. Okay. At least say that to me, you yeah. know, don't send me an email Oh, hey, Joe, you know, we really look forward to working with you, except we're never going to work with you because we're not going to let you in this motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's quite the uh, the predicament. And I think that, um, you know, it, it, it shows that um, that you've created something of value to where they're now trying to take advantage of that value and you know why why do that why 
milk yourself because they're now going to get rich off of you, you know, as the old term goes. Um, you know, they, they charged whatever they want. And then all of a sudden Roy Jones was there and Floyd Mayweather and the MMA companies. And everybody went there because Samstown became the place for that combat sports event. Right. You know, they pitched for that. Because the Ring of Honor getting in there, you know, I can't take all the credit for it because, you know, they watch Ring of Honor. Hey, where's that? That's Samstown. It looks good. Oh, there's Impact. Oh, where's that? That's Samstown. You know, right. we were the catalyst to getting everything there. You know, usually when you're first, you know, you, you get the you get the carte blanche. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, you know, we got pissed on and that was it. Yeah. Yeah, all of a sudden you become the right-headed stepchild and uh, you were the firstborn in reality. Um, speaking of combat sports, did you catch the Conor McGregor fight this weekend? Uh, no, because uh, as that was happening, I was on my way to Chelsea Handler. <laughs> um, and my and my kids sent me a message. It was like, oh, Conor broke his Foot, bad, 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 and it's like, well, I'm pretty sure that means he lost. <laughs> uh, so, as as a wrestling fan, do you have a draw to the MMA style uh, fights, the UFC fights, uh, Bellator, etc., or do you feel that it lacks what we as wrestling fans? Uh, you know, commonly get to see it. That is a full show for the price of what we're paying for a pay-per-view or for a ticket as compared to fights that might, as it did with Conor McGregor end in five minutes because your leg broke um, and your undercard might go, you know, around or two rounds. Um, is that something that you just aren't really a fan of per se, or does it also just catch you as like, oh, I'm kind of interested in this fight. I'll catch it when it's on YouTube or, uh, you know, something like that comes your way where you could watch it. Well, let's start by saying when I was very young, I was a big boxing fan. And I grew up in the Roberto Duran was my favorite fighter of all time. I hated Sugar Ray Leonard. And, you know, I, you know, that whole middleweight, welterweight division, Marvin Hagler, Thomas Hearns, you know, Julio Cesar Chavez, all those guys. Like, I would I would sit as – I was probably, let's see, how old was I? 14, 15. You know, I would scorecard every boxing match that, you know, I wanted to see. Yeah. And there were guys that I liked that weren't big stars. And then all of a sudden it, – it, Boxing kind of dissipated. There, there wasn't the excitement. You know, I remember, I think I was in Atlantic City uh, the night Tyson got knocked out by Buster Douglas. I remember driving home and it was like, oh, what a shocking upset. Buster Douglas was like, what the fuck? You know, he got his ass whooped. You know, and I remember driving home and, and boxing just started to fall out of favor, I guess you could say. Yeah. And then I was out here. I moved out here in 91. And, you know, who didn't have a cheater box? So you got to watch all the pay-per-view stuff. 
<laughs> you know, I grew up watching WWF pay-per-views and never paid for any. You yeah. know, I'm 12 years old, 14 years old. I'm I'm making moves, selling boxes for 250. You know what I mean? It's like my early entrepreneurship. You know, and I started watching the UFC, and it was like Tank Abbott and you know Shamrock and Hoist Gracie. And I remember watching it, and I'm like, watching this Hoist Gracie guy kind of getting his ass beat for a while. And all of a sudden, it was like, bing, bang, boom. The guy's tapping out. I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? And then they started doing, like, the David versus Goliath. Because that was when it had no rules. Right. So, like, a 400-pound guy is fighting a 180-pound guy. And sometimes the 180-pound guy is smashing him. Yep. And then I remember in the early days, they would have boxers. And the boxers would step in and fight the MMA guys. And the MMA guys would murder the boxers. Yeah. Just take them down and that was it. Because there was no defense for the boxer. Unless he, unless he was able to punch you in the face, right. you, know, you, you would get taken down. So I was a big, big you know, UFC fan early on. And I kind of watched it a lot for a while. But then, just like everything else, it kind of, you know, kind of ran its course. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'd pay attention to it. I'd watch it. But when you talk about the cards, back in the day, you bought a boxing card. But you bought the boxing card for one fight, the main event. I remember buying tickets to go to Madison Square Garden to see Roberto Duran fight Marvin Hagler at the Mirage in Vegas. I went, there was live fights, and then the main event, like the last two matches, were on the big screen. And that's, I went to Madison Square Garden in the upper deck to watch Roberto Duran almost beat Marvin Hagler. <laughs> and you didn't give a shit. You didn't care who was in the, the preliminaries. Right thing that I believe made UFC so successful was that main card are all good fighters. In most cases, there's good matches. Sometimes that second match is, is the best match you might see that month. Right. You know, I follow it enough to where I think like Amanda Nunez is like one of the best fighters I've ever seen. Yeah. It's like that Lacey Ryan thing. Oh yeah. You know, she's a great wrestler for a girl. You know, no, Amanda Nunez is a bad motherfucker. Yeah. You know what I mean? I enjoy watching her. It was like, I remember they were talking about something where she said she'd fight like uh, one of the Paul brothers or whatever. It's like, I'd pay money to see yeah. that because I'm pretty sure she'd whoop his ass. Yeah. You know, but there's just too many now and, and, and stuff is watered down and there's so many people. It's just like, it's the same thing with the boxing where, they didn't create the stars that they did because now I used to be able to watch Mike Tyson on ABC TV, Wire World of Sports, and he'd fight like every two or three weeks. Yeah. With tomato can, he was going to fight. I remember George Foreman as the heavyweight champion. It was like a gauntlet match. He literally fought four dudes consecutive manner guy comes out bing bang boom george foreman knocks him out in round one next guy boom round two next guy round like he beat four guys up and he still went only six rounds right like you were able to create stars 
you know, it, it's kind of like, you know, what they say is lacking in a lot of sports, that there's reasons why certain sports aren't as successful, right? you know, as in others. In wrestling, that's always been the talk of WWE. They're not creating new stars, you know. It's like they're talking now. Lashley and Brock Lesnar. People are going to SummerSlam because they're going to SummerSlam. Yeah. He's going to SummerSlam and it's like, oh, I get to see Brock Lesnar again. Like, that's the biggest misconception of what a draw that he is. Right. You know what I mean? It's like WWE is the product. And I understand that's why, you know, oh, you can't be Aleister Black. Right. I don't even know how you could be Malachi Black, but whatever. You know, they want him to change your name. They want to own the rights. And like I said, for a while, when AJ Styles came in, they let people keep their names, but then they reverted back to where nobody gets to keep their names. Yeah. You know, Cross, Cross is like the last guy that was close enough. You know, Keith Lee before that. But Cross, of the newer crew that's been there for less than a year, or maybe a year now, but all those other guys have had their name changed. Yeah. You know, and they want to own the rights because the name value for, you know, Randy Orton is going to be a lot different if it was Bobby Johnson. Right. Yeah. You no, know, even though it's Randy Orton, you, you, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's always that problem. Like Chris Masters is now Chris Adonis because in the NWA, they give a shit right. about that. But if he works my show, I call him Chris Masters. Nobody cares. Right. You know, that's when we know when we made it, when we start getting cease and desist letters from WWE. Yes. You know, that's that, that's my goal for 2000 and, you know, 21 when we put out the best of carrying cross. <laughs> Um, as we kind of wrap up here and, uh, you know, we have an idea of what's going on, uh, you know, you filled everyone kind of in. Um, so let me, uh, ask you a little something off the topics of, of wrestling. And that is, um, have you been able to, uh, do any, uh, gambling here in your free time since this is Vegas? Um, or have you uh, just kind of stayed away for it uh, during, you know, this whole run of the pandemic? The day I was allowed back in a casino was the day I was there. <laughs> uh, any uh, any good wins during this time period? Uh, yeah, I've actually, I had one huge win. Okay. That was Eleven eleven thousand dollars on a three dollar bet. Whoa! Was it uh, what? What were you uh, betting? I was playing my new favorite game, Hot Roll. Oh, right on! So I go to my video poker stories. I've told Mike Rain this story a lot. Mike Rain wants to play Hot Roll with me. He'll be <laughs> in this weekend, so we're gonna see. So. I don't really ever play the gimmicky video poker machines. I play strict video poker, whether it's the bonus deuces or super double, which pays more on a four of a kind for jacks, queens, and kings, because if you hold, you know, it's always jacks are better, wins the hand. 
So if you get one jack, you're going to hold it. You're not going to hold one four. Right. You know what I mean? Because two fours don't give you anything. So I'm playing, and I look over, and there's the, 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 the light for the jackpot. And it's a hot roll machine. And I'm like, oh, somebody got a hot roll, and they got four threes, and it paid them 1600 bucks. And then a couple days later, I see the light on again, and it's the hot roll machine. And I see it again. And I'm like, you know, I, I should try playing this hot roll machine. So I go to Barley's one day, and I normally don't even play the double-double, but I end up hitting, like, the four aces with the kicker. And it was for, like, I ended up winning, like, you know, 1400 bucks on the machine. Okay. Well, the place only has two of the machines. Then they have one called Super Hot Roll. So I ended up hitting the Royal because it's dimes. Okay. So I'm playing. With the, the rig of the game is instead they pay you as if you're playing 15 credits at a time. Right. But roll you got to pay 30 credits. So when you get your money back, you're not getting your money back. Normally, when you win your money back, you're betting five to get five. Yeah. Here, you're betting ten to get the five. So it, it kind of that's how it beats you on the back end. So I start doing okay on it. And then I'm playing one day after work, and the hot roll is just this random thing. It's right. a roll of the dice, 2 to 12. So when it feels like doing it, it's either before the hand starts or right after you hold the hand, okay? So I get dealt 3 to the royal, okay? So it's 1, 2, 3 to the royal. As I go to hit the hold the three and hit the play button, it stops and gives the roll of the dice. Okay. I got a 10 time hot roll. Flush oh. is $400 if you hit it. And I've hit a few of those on there. I've done well. All of a sudden, on the second machine, it comes like ace queen, royal flush, 4000 bucks. Like, oh shit. Fucking awesome. So the big story is another day after I drop my wife off from work. So that's why when she makes 40 bucks there, it's okay. So I'm playing this machine and all of a sudden it's like ace, jack, 10, queen, king of clubs deals me the royal, which is 1200 bucks. It doesn't let you hold it because it automatically holds. Right it holds all of a sudden the dice rolls and it's like shit i got a hot roll so it's 1200 times whatever the hot roll is so if it's three times it's 3600 if it's four times it's 4800 it ends up being nine times so it was but and it's amazing you're sitting there and it just went roll the dice and it was like holy shit i'm like calculating in my head and I was like, holy fuck, that was $10,800. Jesus. So, and then about a week or two ago, I had two to the Royal. And I usually never hold two to the Royal. But on these machines, I do. So I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm going to hold the King Ten of Diamonds. Now, this is the same machine where a month earlier I hit the $4,000 10-time roll. Okay. So I hold the ten, and it gives me – Seven times. 
And then right on the bottom, bink, 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 and that was 2,800. So. Jesus. And believe me, there's a lot of bad days. Like last night I got killed. But, you know, you got to get a lot of killing to give back that money. So I'm, 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 st- I'm still fighting good in, uh, in, my, in, in my poker stories. So. I love it. I love it. Um, you know, that's, that's something that makes me happy because, you know, it, it is something that when you put the money in, you hopefully are getting some money out, but when it hits big, hell yeah, that's wonderful to hear. And, uh, hell, you know, that's, uh, what that you could, you could pay for, uh, one or maybe both Hardee's, right? Or I could just uh, put the money into my kids' show and hope I don't lose it all. <laughs> oh, man. And how's that going as we, as we wrap up? Um, how is that coming along for Joey? I guess fine. <laughs> you know, I'm handling my stuff. It's like you want to do your own thing? That, that's great. I got other things I got to worry about. But what's funny is he's got one show – five or six weeks from now, okay? He's too busy for everything because he's got one show in six weeks. I got eight shows, but I'm not really too busy. Like, I don't do what he does. Right. Yes. Right. You know? <laughs> and it's like, oh, wait, he's already got the venue. It's mine. He's already got the ring. It's mine. All he has to do is contact people and, and, and put people on the show. Yeah. And he's worked with two other companies. So guess what? He's only got to worry about like three matches, maybe four. I got to worry about 80 matches I got to put together over the next six weeks. And no matter what, that show will be an accomplishment. And, you know, you'd be just doing regular business. Uh, Does that mean... Does that mean I'm going to have to start a, a another DeFalco Files? <laughs> well, yeah, if you want nobody to listen, sure. <laughs> you know. If you're going to do that, then you might as well kept the David Lawson show on. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, that is... Uh... This week's episode, that's what's going on here at FSW and uh, what's going on in Vegas. Uh, Hopefully, you know, people watching and listening um, are getting the network, $6.99 a month. Um, Also, you know, SummerSlam's coming up. If you see that tickets are on sale, please buy tickets now. Um, As soon as you see they're on sale, because tickets are going to go fast, Um, like Joe has said. He's already getting requests for GCW versus FSW. I think that's going to be a, a fairly quick tickets gone uh, type of event. So if you are coming in and you're planning to see one of the shows, um, Natural Born Killers is another one that's going to go really fast. So get those tickets while you can. And if you can't be out here, keep your eyes peeled for uh, the different uh, pay-per-view options that will be associated with the different shows. Uh, and you know, Fight TV uh, usually has those pay-per-views. Uh, yeah, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna be pretty busy that weekend yeah. with us. Yeah. So uh, just keep that in mind if you can't make it out. Uh, thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, continue to support the Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting. Also, continue supporting FSW and checking out all their uh, 
there's stuff on the network um just a, a beautiful catalog of different things uh including this show so uh please check it out and until next week everybody take care